the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's always an honor. Today is Friday, June the 5th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on June 5, 1968, Senator Robert Kennedy was shot mortally wounded after claiming victory in California's Democratic presidential primary. Today in 1794, Congress passed the Neutrality Act. No, it didn't have to do with the Internet then. It prohibited Americans from taking part in the military action against a country that was at peace with the United States. Today in 1872, the Republican Party and their convention, today in 1872, became the first major political party to include blacks. So when you see Al Sharpton screaming over the microphone, as he has been the last few days, somehow you should remember that it was the Republican Party, not the Democrat Party, that included the blacks way before the Democrats. They were still wearing their hoods and doing bad stuff in the South. They were. That's been expunged from history because that isn't the narrative that they want our children to hear, but it is true. Today in 1872, the Republican Party said absolutely, and they included the blacks in their convention. Today in 1933, the United States went off the gold standard. We went on to our credit card today in 1933. Today in 1950, the U.S. Supreme Court in Henderson versus the United States, they struck down racially segregated railroad dining cars. And today in 1981, the Centers for Disease Control reported that five homosexuals in Los Angeles had come down with a rare kind of pneumonia. They were the first recognized cases of what later became known as AIDS. Today in 2004, one of the great presidents of all time passed away. He went to be with the Lord. I am certain he knew him personally. Ronald Reagan, Ronald Wilson Reagan, he passed away, died in Los Angeles. Today in 2004, he was 93 years old, had been suffering with Alzheimer's, as you know. Today in 2018, fashion designer Kate Spade, she's known for her sleek handbags. She was found dead in her Park Avenue apartment in New York. Medical examiner's report determined that the cause of her death was suicide by hanging. She was 55 years old. I saw a statistic the other day said 50% of Americans reported in May that the COVID-19 pandemic is causing them to lose sleep and be depressed. Almost all the time. Suicides have spiked. They're still assessing the information. They don't know from all the sources. I could see exactly how many more suicides there are now or there were last month than normally, but they say it's considerably more. Those figures will be out soon. Kate Spade had so much to live for. I didn't know her, but 
She was so successful, made millions of do- millions and millions of dollars. She was known all over the world in the fashion industry. She was 55 years old. She hanged herself because she felt, apparently, that she had nothing to live for. I would just say to you before we continue in what we're going to be talking about today that with the rising the rising cases of suicide, the rising cases of deep depression, I would encourage you to look outside yourself for help, to look to the Lord. If you're a Christian, I want you to know that God is in control and God has a plan. And the depression that settles on people that brings them to these kinds of acts of self-destruction. I've been in the ministry my entire adult life, and I've seen a lot of this, dealing with people and their issues from a biblical, pastoral perspective. And it will pass. It's not as bad as it seems at a given moment. Life has a way, particularly for the Christian, life has a way of working itself out, no matter how Difficult, And I know this is a complex subject, and I'm just speaking to it in a moment, but no matter how difficult life seems and how impossible and unreconcilable certain issues seem in your life, they will get better. They do, as you walk with the Lord. To those of you, just trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. Let him direct your path, and he would not direct you to self-destruction. Because he loves you. He loves you so much that he died for you. His son, Jesus Christ, took it for you. And then was resurrected so that you could have life. And even have it abundantly. To those of you who are not Christians, you're listening to this program. Maybe you don't know why you're listening to this program. You just are. Or maybe you listen to it to be critical. And some do. Many do, I'm I'm sure. It doesn't matter to me as long as you listen. But if you're not a Christian and you're feeling depression and thoughts maybe of self-destruction have crossed your mind, I want to tell you there's a better way. God loves you. And life, your spirit is going to live on forever. And you, 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 you can find a new life in Christ now. Not Sunday, but now. If you'll simply, for a moment, be truthful with yourself, even if you're in deep depression, if you'll be truthful with yourself and, more importantly, truthful with God, and simply say, God, if you're there, sometimes people say he is there. I'll tell you that in advance. God, I need help. I believe that your son, Jesus Christ, died on a cross for my sins and my depression and my difficulties. And we all have those difficulties. It's a matter of how we handle them and who we put in charge of our emotions and our life. But you say, God, I believe that your son, Jesus Christ, died on a cross for my sins, and I ask you, I ask you to forgive my sins and come into my life, into my heart. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I need help. I look to you to speak to my heart and to help me in these times of trouble, personal times of trouble. God will hear, and he will answer your prayer. 
I promise you he will. Well, Gary, I've heard of Christians who commit suicide. Yeah, life can be tough. But I will tell you, there is a hope and there is a joy and there is a peace that passes all understanding when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. I don't know the words to adequately express the transformation that takes place in a heart. I can only tell you honestly, it is the peace of God that passes all understanding. I would encourage you to make it yours, wherever you are right now, if you have not. Isaiah wrote to the people of God thousands of years ago, and God has preserved it so you could hear it today. In Isaiah chapter 61, he talks about, he says, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, that's in God, that's speaking to God's people, then and now, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy. I'm sorry, I, I'm moved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. The oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. That's for you today. God is saying that to you as we speak. Consider it. Act on it. God loves you. Well, there's some news out there this morning that you won't see in the news probably, but it is news. The economic community is, was kind of stunned this morning, really. When I got all the numbers added up, and there's a lot of numbers to add up in America, God has blessed us so much. We're very prosperous. A lot of money running around. It's just been very rough through this this COVID-19 and then all these riots that are burning in our cities across America. But the numbers came out today, and and the left couldn't, they couldn't erase them. They're out there. Unemployment fell to 13.3%. That's relative to where we are today. The country's been shut down for a couple of months, and nobody was predicting this. But unemployment fell to 13.3% from the 20-something. They were hoping for four or five points that it would decline. A record 2.5 million jobs were added in May. (laughs) Nobody even can hardly believe it. Nobody was expecting it. The press is real silent about that because somebody might think Donald Trump's doing a good job as president. That's the world we live in. Former vice president, he wants to be president. He wants to move President Trump out of the White House and move himself back in there. Well, he was never in there, but he had one foot in there. He was vice president of the United States. He said yesterday to the press... I couldn't believe he said this, but he says a lot of things I can't believe. It's politically stupid to make the statement, and I don't know what he was trying to do with this statement, but he said, and I'm quoting him, he said yesterday to the press, he said, yeah, he said 10 to 15 percent of Americans are just not very good people. Well, the only thing that does is leave us ordinary folks out here, us little people, wondering, am I part of that? 10 to 15%? How does he decide whether I'm a good person or a bad person? I don't know. 
Nobody knows, but that's what he said. So 10 to 15% of Americans are just not very good people. That's akin to saying, you know, I don't care about you guys. You're bad people. I'm just going to focus on the good people. I don't know. Joe is, 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 has problems um, communicating for sure. Local health officials in Seattle is reporting, the, the Seattle Times this morning, local health officials are saying that, I mean, this is so hip, hypocritical. Local health officials are saying that protests, despite the COVID-19 risk, are okay. It's worth the risk. But Black Lives Matter, the chapter in Seattle, are saying they think it's too dangerous, and they're questioning whether this many people should be this close to one another. No, this isn't the health officials. It's not the mayor. It's not the city council. It's Black Lives Matter are saying, boy, I don't know if we should be putting ourselves at risk like this with health. I mean, they want the riots to go on. They're just simply saying that they're recognizing the danger they're putting themselves in after all of this Fauci and Bricks and all these people have been telling us for months now, stay six feet apart, 10 feet apart, 30 feet apart, whatever, wear your mask, you know, all this kind of thing. Now, all of a sudden, millions of people across America are, you know, shoulder to shoulder. But the end justifies the means because it's so important that these riots take place or peaceful demonstrations, as the news is starting to call them, as you see kids lighting things on fire. It's so important to them that this happens in America that, well, forget about all the health things we've been telling you. Just put that aside for a while. We'll go back to that later on. And we'll try to kind of slow the economy down at least until November. So Black Lives Matter has more insight on good health, you know, actions and activities than the leaders, the elected leaders. You tell me how that works. And as if that's not not enough, there's a move across the country to defund the police. I understand there's some police that have done some bad things. I understand there's even an issue in Spokane, and I read the Spokesman Review and the Seattle Times and the Yakima Herald and and the Tri-City. I read all this stuff, and Tucson and Bakersfield. I do. And the Seattle Times every day. So I, I know this is happening. I know there's some issues with police. I mean, Biden has a point. There are people that do bad things in our world. But, I mean, <laughs> they're wanting to defund the police, just abolish the police department. There's a growing number of Hollywood celebrities who have their own private police force that guides guards their home and their car and they go with them and they walk around them when they go like they're the king of something i mean i understand that i marjorie and i lived in hollywood i was a pastor there i get all that kind of but socialist city council woman kashama sawant she launched her campaign this week to defund the seattle police at her press conference this week she viciously smeared the police and how they're handling the protests that she says too often turns into riots or looting. Well, they turn into riots or looting because of of the whole nature of the thing and the way it's driven by people like her. She's part of the problem, not the solution. In fact, she says the cops have instructions. She said this. The cops have instructions to attack peaceful protesters, pushing them into riots. 
She says videos repeatedly show that, quote, police are the ones inciting, instigating the violence. They come with instructions to orchestrate violence. This woman is helping run Seattle. And she's elected by the people. How does she know? Well, she explains how she knows. She says, here's why we know that they're doing that. I'm quoting her. I'm not paraphrasing. I'm quoting. She says, quote, they come with riot gear carrying tear gas canisters. So because they become, they come prepared for people who are going to try to harm them, not all people, but a lot, there's always that contingent within these so-called peaceful movements. So because the police come prepared, she says they're the ones that are in, in, uh, instigating the violence. Boy, you, you tell me. And, and there's a headline out there this morning that says, I forget where I saw it, but it was in a kind of a major news, probably left wing. But they were saying that only 16% want to defund the police departments in America, suggesting that that was a good number. Do 16% of 325 million people really want to defund the police? I can see Hollywood because they have their own little police force around them. The wealthy, I'm sure they have that, and that's fine. But why are they trying to push this on us ordinary people out here that can't afford to have our own police force? I don't know. I mean, I don't know the answer to that, but they're doing it. And that's what's going on as we speak. In the wake of these riots that have spread across America, they're leaving shattered businesses and wounded communities in their stake. It seems like the whole nation is on fire. Ben Shapiro is one of the one of the smartest writers, the most intellectual columnists out there today, in my opinion. There are several of them that I feel that way about. He's one of them. He's a conservative. He speaks to the issues from a conservative point of view, not a biblical point of view, but a conservative point of view. He wrote yesterday, or day before yesterday, he wrote, it feels as though our nation is collapsing around us. He notes that what's happening is bizarre in that most all Americans agree that the killing of George Floyd at the hands of a police officer is evil. He said, but breaking windows, stealing televisions and sneakers, beating business owners halfway to death and two deaths sometimes, and attacking police officers is also wrong. He calls this whole thing nonsensical and a dangerous game. And I want to take a few. I read his his column. I re- always read his column and a lot of others. But I want to take a closer look at the players who are actually fanning the flames. I also want to thank you for your support of this program. I'm not going to take but a moment today because I have a lot to say and we have a lot I'd like to say to you today and get out there. But we need your support. These are unusual times, to say the least. And day by day, (laughs) you support us and we're able to continue. And it is through that support. And wherever you're listening to this program, people around you in your area, whatever city or town you're in, are helping pay the bills to keep us on the air. Your contribution is tax deductible. I would ask you to consider seriously. Thank you to all of you who support us, some of you regularly. Every month I look at your name, I know your names, and some of you as you can. And some of you agree with what we're doing, and 
support it mentally and perhaps spiritually, but you haven't supported us financially, and I need your help. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Shapiro says it's a game pressed forward by the most powerful messaging institutions in our society, our media. He said they win Pulitzer Prizes to faux history, like the 1619 Project. That's that whole thing that the New York Times has been doing about the fact that America was really founded in 1619 when they started bringing slaves to our shores. Talking about, you know, Jamestown and some of that. They won a Pulitzer Prize for that, of course, and it's flawed from the get-go. The whole thing is flawed. It's not about the, what Americans believed. Even the colonists believed, yes, there were slaves. Of course there were slaves. We know that. But they have rewritten and revised history, and that's what that's about. But the New York, the New York Times was given a Pulitzer Prize for their work on the 1619 Project. Shapiro says that American institutions... American institutions are said to have been fatally corrupted from the beginning. America's original sin, slavery, and that every inequality of today can find its roots in inequities of the past. That is the narrative that's out there. Barack Obama is none the least of those that are voicing those kinds of opinions every time he can get a hold of a microphone. Shapiro says our celebrities proclaim proudly proclaim the rights to free speech, property ownership, and due process, but they're mere facades for the continuing and malign maintenance of the structural inequalities. And too many of our politicians casually attribute every instance of police brutality to deep-seated American racism. Shapiro writes, these, he says, are the lies. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit today, just putting Shapiro aside for a moment. I've met mentioned that President Trump's little walk across the street in the White House through Lafayette Park. I've mentioned it a couple of times on this program, and I mentioned it in the article that I write every day. He walked over to St. John's Church. You remember that. I'm going to mention it again today because it bears repeating, one more time at least, because it's so inflamed the press, they've turned it, they've turned it into a public issue, and it's what they're saying is an outright lie. I'm not defending Trump or his walk across the street, carrying a Bible, standing in front of St. John's, holding up a Bible. I mean, it's kind of symbolic. He's been very, very good to the religious community, the Christian community, the evangelical community in particular. He's done more for us than George Bush did, who came into office claiming to be a a born-again Christian, quoting Scripture, and I supported George Bush. But Trump has done, I mean, literally has done more for us than Bush Certainly his father, and even Ronald Reagan, who was a friend to Christians, for sure. I mean, Trump has, he has moved heaven and hell to try to change things for evangelicals in America. And if you don't know that, you should. I mean, you just should know it. It's a fact. But following Trump's walk across this street over to that church, the Washington Post ran a headline. It says, Barr personally ordered removal of protesters near White House, leading to use of force against largely peaceful crowd. The story is long and it's labored, and I'm not even going to try to put you through it, and I don't have time anyway. But they're suggesting that Trump was kind of like a dictator, and he ordered his our United States Attorney General and whoever else to move the little people out of the way with tear gas so that the king, 
the dictator. I mean, that's the picture they're casting. And it isn't just the Washington Post, but that's the picture they're casting. So <laughs> Molly Hemingway is also one of my favorite columnists, and she writes, she's brilliant. She wrote an article. She's one of America's great journalists. She wrote an article in The Federalist. It's titled, Media Falsely Claimed Violent Riots Were Peaceful and Tear Gas Was Used Against Rioters. Because of her impact as a writer, even though she's a conservative, the media took a little bit of a step back yesterday, but they're still running with this story. She says the media spun a tale of violent, bootjack cops running rampant through the streets over innocent, docile protesters using tear gas to clear the area. It turns out none of it was true. It's all a lie. She says the news media reported that the park police were unprovoked when they used tear gas to clear the area. If any of that were true, it might be the first time in history that cops without masks launched tear gas in an era that the president of the United States easily walked through minutes later, or an area that the president of the United States easily walked through a few minutes later. She notes that every major news organization, how they took that story, and they, they expanded on details of their own, like, I was there. I mean, some of the reporters are saying, I was there, and the tear gas affected my eyes, and I, I couldn't breathe for a moment because of the tear gas that these police were using on these people to clear a path for King Trump to walk across to this church to hold up a Bible for his photo op. Well, the fact of the matter is the park department probably and the park police finally put out a statement that said there was no gas used. We did, we had no tear gas. We did not use it. That the park is cleared every night at seven o'clock because the rioters are so violent there and they're the ones that set the church on fire Sunday night, this past Sunday night. She, and they say we, we didn't clear a path for Trump. Trump's people came and stood on each side of him while he walked across there because the President of the United States always has Secret Service with him and security, for obvious reasons. Obama, everybody did, Clinton, whomever. And so does Trump. But they didn't clear the area for Trump. They cleared the area every night because the people are so riotous. But they didn't use tear gas. They said we didn't even have tear gas. So all of this, Reuters published it, New York Times published it, New York Post ran a follow-up story. Again, to be sure, everybody knew how horrible it was. The New York Times falsely headlined its article, Tear Gas Clears Path for Trump to Visit Church. And they had a video showing the tear gassing, except there was no tear gassing. ABC's George Stephan office reported, he said, police use tear gas, push back peaceful protesters. These are their words. These are George's words. As you can imagine, the far-left far news had a heyday. CNN, MSNBC, The Daily Beast, Axios, all of them reported this. Even Senator Claire McCaskill from Missouri, former, and a Fox News contributor, Jonah Goldberg, whom I don't like. I don't read him. I don't believe him most of the time. He fell for the lie, and he used the story as part of his commentary on Fox. Barack Obama repeatedly claimed that the discrimination that exists in almost every American institution of our lives, the legacy of slavery and Jim Crow, that is still in our DNA that's passed on. Oh, but he was saying that some years ago. No, he's, he said it day before yesterday. He says that voting for local officials is a solution. He's raising millions of dollars to help turn America blue. Well, 
This is where we face. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The psalmist asks in Psalm 11, 3. I'll tell you what we can do. We can work like it all depends on us and pray like it all depends on God. Because it does. Thanks for being here today. I'll see you Monday.